Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate Wickedly Smart Women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our very special guest, Brenda Edelman. Brenda is a critically acclaimed actor with a one-woman show, My Brooklyn Hamlet, based on her life story, and she is the recipient of the Hero of Forgiveness Award. Edelman is a storytelling mentor, and she and her clients have presented on stages across the United States, Europe, Canada, and Mexico. Her audiences include women prisoners, youth at risk, mental health trainings, and domestic violence coalition conferences. Her show won Best of Fest at the Los Angeles Women's Festival and was critic picks at every festival she's performed at. Her book is titled My Father Killed My Mother and Married My Aunt, Forgiving the Unforgivable. She's been interviewed on over 200 media outlets, including CBS, Fox, KUSI San Diego, Reinvention Radio, and NPR. Brenda, it is my pleasure to welcome you to our show today. We met originally at the New Media Summit, so welcome to the show. Thank you. Yes. And you always stood out for me. So it's exciting to be here with you. Well, you definitely stood out for me. I mean, it's kind of hard not to stand out when your father killed your mother and married your aunt. <laughs> it's a big story. It's true. Although yeah. you'd be surprised how many people have gone through things similar or, you know, worse in other ways that just people don't talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that is such a huge, huge impact producing event on everyone, right? On everyone's life. And so I'd love to have you just begin our time together today by talking a little bit about that particular experience and not only the impact that it had on you when it happened, but also I'd love to hear like what happened for you that allowed you to eventually like turn the shit into something shiny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That took a while. That took a long mm-hmm. while. That's why I, I talk about it so openly. So I hope that people don't feel like they're so alone. Well, for me, because it's, let's see how I can say this in a very succinct way. I was codependent with both of my parents, loved them both madly, devoted a lot of my life to trying to be there for each of them as they weren't there for each other. But I had moved out to Los Angeles. I fell in love, moved from New York to Los Angeles and uh, saw my parents six different occasions during the first nine months after I moved away, went to New York. They came out to see me. We went to Europe. And then about 10 days after the last time I saw them, I uh, came home from a weekend's workshop and my fiance at the time said that my mother was gone, which I thought, oh yeah, they went back to New York. And, you know, he said there was an accident. There was a gun. My father was involved and she was dead. And pretty much my world exploded apart with that 
one bullet mm. that my father killed my mother with. But it was a journey of first, like almost refusing to believe that my father did this, believing his lies. He was saying it was an accident. There were eight hours before the police were called. He had a mob lawyer in place. His gun disappeared before the cops were called. And uh, he didn't speak with the police. But to manage not losing my entire family in that one night, I really went into denial. But while I was in denial is when I stayed in depression. And so that's real. So I, I did come up with a three-step forgiveness process. And I tried so hard to like move to forgiveness, whatever his involvement was, because that's what, you know, we're told. And I wouldn't bring my mother back. But inside I had this love, this hate, this rage and all of this. And as I was keeping it down, I was not healing. I, for me, it was going into addictions of, uh, you know, overeating and overexercising or gaining weight and then beating myself up about the fact that I gained weight instead of the real issue, which is my father shot and killed my mother. Mm. <laughs> and within a month after my mom died, he moved in with my aunt, my mother's sister. So that was a whole other track to, to go on. But I would say the forgiveness finally came when I started writing during my sleepless nights. And I wrote about 100 poems in 30 days. They were dark, they were sexual, they were filled with rage, all those things that I didn't identify myself as because I was trying to be nice or, mm -hmm. you know, loving or in the role of, you know, the doting daughter. Mm -hmm. And when I started writing, then the next day I would look at it and be like, who wrote this? But that was the start of my healing because my complete rage was let out in a safe, healthy way. And then what I will say is I, I started, because I was an actress at the time, I turned one of those poems into a scene with three characters and put it up in my class, my top class in LA, not because I wanted to, but because I got that inner guidance that was like a spiritual shove <laughs> to get me on stage and to stop hiding. And instead of being met with judgment, which I thought I would because I had so much inner shame back then, feeling damaged because of my parents, I was met with the standing ovation with a director that wanted to work with me, uh, you know, people telling me that they were healed. So it was the combination of writing my story jumping into the characters of my story, because as a, an actress, you can't play yourself as a villain. So I actually started to find compassion for the essence of who my father was as someone with thwarted expectations and maybe not maybe mental illness and things like that undiagnosed. And then uh, I went back and got a master's degree in spiritual psychology. The missing piece for me was learning how to set a healthy boundary. And that's when the healing really started. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, there's so much to unpack here. I need to ask you if in retrospect, like, were you in denial about the fact that they were that were they like contentious with one another? Did they fight? I mean, yes, they fought, but they it was love, hate very yeah. passionate, having sex till the end, and also just this horrible dynamic. And they probably split up like three times. Right. And, and my father had put a gun to her head. When I was in a teenager, she left and was going to have a divorce. And when she came back, and they got back together, I thought, well, she must be lying, not him, because why would she go back to the man who put a gun to her head, not realizing back then, really about domestic violence and how she couldn't win leaving. She couldn't win staying, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, as somebody who's had a gun put in my face, 
Oh. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that experience of having a gun put to my face. And I'm really grateful that I it was really interesting what happened in my own case. I was living with a man and my my parents were dysfunctional. My dad was an alcoholic. My mom was codependent. You know, there's all of that backstory. But when this man who actually taught me how to shoot said, never point a loaded gun at anyone unless you intend to kill them. And he was a police officer. And so, like, I learned that was like the rule. You never point a gun loaded or unloaded, loaded or unloaded at anyone unless you have intent to kill them. And so when he pointed the gun at my head, I immediately went into like denial like that didn't happen. So so this thing about denial, which obviously is part of the path of forgiveness. Right. I mean, like we have to map out what happens for us before we can get get out of denial. Yeah. Right. So I'd love to have you speak a little bit about, obviously you had a very shocking experience that, that then put you into like maybe deeper into denial about how dysfunctional everything was initially. Like, I know you said that you started writing, but was there a spiritual intervention that you had or like, can you talk a little bit deeper about what happened to get things to start to move even the littlest bit? Yes, absolutely. And but, but first, let me just say, I did know it was dysfunctional. No matter that it was my family, I knew it was dysfunctional. It was kind of that feeling growing up of these people are insane and also growing up very righteous. Like I know that is wrong, right? And that's something I've had to work on letting go of that righteousness and allowing things to be. But it was during one of those sleepless nights. So I had never, I wasn't religious. I wasn't spiritual. And then the night my mom died, I swear it was when I was flying back to New York, I felt a presence. Didn't still know what it was. And then when it was a couple of years after my mom died, I had broken up with my fiance and I was alone in that apartment and I was writing. I was never sleeping pretty much then. And I would, uh, I remember just all of a sudden before I knew anything about chakras and energy and all that, seeing this like white light and hearing it's okay. And it just like flooding this body of mine that had been so like my nerves were shot, like all the depression and just not even knowing what anything was and just knowing it would be okay, that I was going to be okay. And it was that voice really that told me to tell my story. Yeah. Beautiful. There's one more piece I want to see if we can get to before we go to the break, because we're almost there already. We could probably spend hours talking. And that is the shame piece. Like I definitely grew up in a dysfunctional family and carried this shame about my family, right? Before any of these other incidents happened, that shame was already there. Mm. So you may have had that as well. You may have already had the shame that you were like trying to pretend everything was hunky dory in your family. And then this, this incident happened, which kind of compounded the shame. Can you speak a little bit about how we take on this shame thing? You know, yeah. Isn't even ours really. I was so unconscious. So I don't know if I was filled with shame when I was a kid, Mm because the other thing is my parents were super loving with me. And I actually tapped into that, like, even though, you know, in hindsight, and I don't like to label, but it's easier to understand. My father was a narcissist, could not love me unless I was putting him up. I tap into the fact I I like innately have that self-love choosing not to say, well, that's not real love because I had that at the bottom. And my dad was a big businessman and stuff like that. 
I didn't recognize the shame then. I'm sure there was, but it was after my father killed my mother that I felt deeply damaged. I felt like if anybody knew that my father shot and killed my mother, it was me. And I had to really work with that. And I have that. I talk about that in my one woman show that it was like I was immovable. The energy was I wasn't able to heal until I forgave myself And that was also an interesting process because I had to forgive myself for ever trusting my father. Like I didn't realize how mad I was at myself and how I thought I would never be able to love and trust again because I didn't trust myself. So it was like forgiving all of that, you know, reframing any kind of judgment I had, the shame, a lot of shame. Yeah. All right, Brenda. Well, we're going to take a short break because we're already at that moment. And uh, when we come back, we're going to tell everyone where they can find out more about your work and how you help women to come to forgiveness. And maybe it's not just women. Maybe it's everybody who who could use forgiveness. Everybody who could use that process. We'll talk about that after the break. But right now, Wickedly Smart Women, we could use your help. If you're enjoying the show and want us to stay on the air, please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. We'd also like to ask you to share with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content. Please help a gal out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show so we can serve them too. We are now, we have won two awards. We are nominated for two more awards. And the show is now in the top one and a half percent of all shows across all categories all over the world. So I do want to thank all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We are welcoming thousands of downloads from all over the world. I want to shout out this week to our listeners in Iceland, Ireland, and Italy. All the eyes wanted to be talked about today. And we will be right back with Brenda Edelman. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art? Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by Women in Transition, Women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your Wealthy Life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back with Brenda Edelman. Uh, you can find out more about Brenda and her work at forgivenessandfreedom.com forward slash free training. And we are going to have that for you in the show notes. It's forgivenessandfreedom.com forward slash free training. There you're going to find, tell us what they're going to find there, Brenda. It's a really cool three-part video training called Tell Your Story, Heal Your Life, Create More Wealth which goes into my story and also how you can use your story, seven different ways for healing, to make an impact, to create income, really make a change in the world for the better and also for healing. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So before we went to the break, we were talking about like the depths of the story. Now I'd love to talk about what inspired you 
obviously you went through your own healing, right? We all have to go through our own healing before we can actually help anyone else. But there are so many people that they just, all they can do is their own stuff. All they can do is their own healing. You have taken it to the next level. And now you are, you know, with your one woman show, with your coursework, with, you know, working with clients and everything, you've actually now turned this into you know, we said it earlier, turning shit into something shiny, you have a business that you've created out of this experience. Can you talk a little bit about what inspired you to go in that direction? And what, if anything, you came up against as you stepped into the role of an entrepreneur who's serving people in this way? Yeah, that's a great question too. Well, I stepped on that stage the first time for my own healing. I had no thought of turning it into a business. I was already an actress. I knew how to create scenes from acting and realizing that other people were healed. Like I didn't even know that was going to happen. And there was something that made me go forward knowing that like, I couldn't even go forward for myself, but I could go forward knowing it was going to heal other people. And then I was doing the show and I was making money with the show. And then I did the show at a spiritual community, a unity church in Sedona. And the minister knew me and he was like, you know, you should teach a workshop on forgiveness. And I was already coaching, not realizing that the masters in spiritual psychology I went to to heal myself were was going to be the tools I used to help other people. So anyway, I went, okay, I'll do a workshop. And it was then that I looked at my process because then at the workshops, I realized, well, I should give them my book so that they can understand the process with the exercises. So then it's like the accidental entrepreneur is that I did that. And then with the one person show, because now that the storytelling part of my business is like the main aspect of it is that I would always have people taking me out to lunch and dinner and, you know, picking my brain or doing like a one-off coaching session about how did I make my show successful? And then I met someone at a raw food place, cleansing place in San Diego. And I just loved her. There was a talent show. I did like seven minutes of my show. She did hers and she didn't live locally. And I literally hired someone to help me create a course based on how did I put my show together? How did I make a success out of it? And that has been like the foundation of all my storytelling work since then. And I, ironically, she lived in a different city. She moved to San Diego and was in my in-person class a couple of uh, years ago before COVID again. So I was working with performers who wanted to create their own opportunities with a one-person show because you get to be, use your talent. Like I don't sing because people would run in the other direction. But when the emotions are too much, I break into to Louise from Hamlet because I know that. And my story is like Hamlet. So yeah, so then entrepreneurs, I have so many coach friends and colleagues that didn't know how to tell their story, didn't know how to get on video. And so a few years ago, it was so hard for them that I was like, oh, well, I can teach this. This is easy for me. And so I started creating courses on storytelling for entrepreneurs so that they can make an impact, like go beyond just the business story. And then the healing, it always runs through it. So always, always runs through it. I love that. So as you went through that process of becoming an accidental entrepreneur, I know for me, when I became an accidental entrepreneur, which really was born out of my own healing journey as well, it became clear to me that the entrepreneurial journey was as much of a spiritual path as the spiritual path. So I was like going down the spiritual path and the entrepreneurial path at the same time. 
Have you had some growth and spiritual epiphanies and awakenings and healings as a result of your entrepreneurial venture? Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Talk about growing pains, too. Growing pains that have led to the most extraordinary, probably the most extraordinary impact I could make in the world. It's like realizing that I had to get out of my comfort zone Mm -hmm. if I wanted to reach more people, which is the most important thing for me. And if I want to reach more people, I have to make money doing what I'm doing versus having to go do a side job, right? I want to be able to create I want to be able to share my story everywhere, every format, so that people don't feel like they're alone like I did. So for me, it's like, okay, well, if I'm helping people, I have to grow into knowing I actually have to charge money for this so that I can do it better and do it more. So that was a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. I want to actually dive a little bit into that because I have found it was my own story. It's the story of many of the people that I've worked with over the years this place where if you're here to help with healing, somehow it's prohibited to make money. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I think that that is the hugest hurdle that so many people have to overcome is if you really want to make an impact, you actually have to make as much money as you possibly can. So can you talk a little bit about how you might've applied some of your forgiveness principles to your entrepreneurial venture and getting yourself your head on straight about the money piece. Yeah, I think some of the forgiveness work, because I teach forgiveness with setting healthy boundaries, because I did end up taking my dad's court for wrongful death, but from a place of self-honor and self-love versus punishment and hatred. I think the forgiveness and the setting healthy boundaries have to go together. And I think how I used it in my business is in the beginning, and I am in business many years now, I used to undercharge significantly. And then I was working so hard and then feeling resentful (laughs) instead of, oh, wait, I don't have to serve everyone. I don't have to, you know, where where it happens a lot actually in the beginning was I would go over time. So I didn't value my time. And then my clients would also go over and then it would be an hour and a half and I'm still being paid for the hour. And there was something in me that wasn't healed that was like, well, I just have to help them instead Mm -hmm. of like practicing the non-attachment, like I know in my personal life and like everybody's on their own journey and then shifting to creating more free opt-ins, things like that for people who either can't afford or choose not to work with me. Cause that was another thing too. Like as I was looking at what I was buying and stuff like that, I was putting on, well, maybe they don't have the money instead of like seeing people exactly, they're perfect. They're going to be spending money. They're going to be choosing what they need to do. And even if I feel like they must study with me, they don't have to, like they can choose what they want, Mm. which is like a fine line of like letting go, not being attached, but also not being resigned or giving up on people, like Mm -hmm. having that balance. Yeah. Beautiful. I love it. Well, we've only got a few minutes left and there's one kind of open loop that's in my head about the story. And that is that, you know, obviously your dad killed your mom. You took him to court for wrongful death. So you just dropped that piece in. Did he get arrested for murder? 
and serve or any of those things? And then how did he end up married to your aunt? Like those pieces. I mean, maybe we need to just go by the book because I don't think we That's actually good- have time for that right now. <laughs> go but I'm, I'm going to go by the book. So let me just, I can, I'm just going to say, I'm going to go by I the can book. Do, I can do it quickly. <laughs> okay. And the one woman show is so good because it has all of that. Okay, let me see how quickly I can say this. He went to prison on a plea bargain for involuntary manslaughter because the murder weapon, his gun, the one he taught me how to shoot on, was never found. And there was a possibility in front of a jury that he would serve no time. My brother is the one who agreed to that. And then he got out after two and a half years for good behavior, for shooting and killing my mother. And it was after he got out of prison that my brother and I decided to take him to court for wrongful death. My brother and I are half brother and sister. So it was my father, not his. So my brother and I didn't speak for like six years. And then we came together and all the forgiveness tools I teach, I I used with him because I felt like he abandoned me. And he ended up producing my one woman show at his big theater company years later, like there's so much there. And then my aunt was there for my father pretty much from day one. They had been friends for 30 years. I think both my aunts who married him and my father were both sex addicts, lack of, you know, maybe empathy, things like that. My father had a lot of money. There were reasons for her to do that. And my father died in 2004, I believe. And I held on to, even though I teach the opposite, I still held on to some anger toward my aunt. And then when she passed a couple of years ago, I had a huge like healing around that and realizing why it hurts us so much. Even if we think we've compartmentalized, why, you know, we close our heart down to anyone. We close it down to ourselves. So you set the healthy boundaries, but like really heal. Yeah. How was that? Oh my God. Beautiful, Brenda. Well, you are an amazing human being and I am just so grateful that you came on to the show. I can see your angel wings are really, really big and I'm really grateful. And and hopefully there is something here for somebody in our audience who can find a place of forgiveness. And definitely there's something here if you're an entrepreneur and you are looking to figure out how to get your story to serve your business. I think that's a really important piece as well. And so I'm super grateful that you came today, Brenda. Thank you so much for being here. And listeners, we love feedback. So please do let us know what you think of today's show by calling into our listener line. We'll have that for you in the show notes, or you can send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open and remember you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.